Welcome to the Message Podcast from Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe for updates and new episodes. You can find us on most major podcast outlets. Visit cotnaz.org for more info. Our worship services stream weekly on Sundays at 9 a.m. on YouTube. You can also find our live stream at cotnaz.org. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have a campus near Harrisonburg at 1871 Boyers Road. We also have a campus in East Rockingham at 414 South East Side Highway in Elkton. In addition, our Spanish-speaking campus meets on Sundays at 11.45 a.m. at that same 1871 Boyers Road location. Check out our website, cotnas.org, for more info. So today we're going to continue in our teaching series through the Minor Prophets, and I want to introduce our book today, our text today, by playing just a little bit of arguably one of the most famous country songs of all time. So let's, and I promise we're going somewhere with this. Sleep won't come the whole night through. Your cheating heart will tell on you when tears come down like falling rain. You'll toss around and call my I would invite you to turn with me to Exodus chapter 19. Exodus chapter 19. I know for some of you there's no recovering from that, so we'll <laughs> bear with me. Exodus chapter 19. So uh, in the story of God's people, Exodus records really a new act in the great drama of God's redemption story for his people. And that's where we're going to dive in. God has, has rescued his people from their bondage in Egypt. He's led them through the Red Sea. He's given them victory over Pharaoh and the mightiest army on the earth at that time. And, and as he's brought them through the sea, he's begun providing for their needs, giving what they need, teaching them how to be his people. And now they, as we would come into Exodus, 19, they're at the foot of Mount Sinai, and, and God is inviting them into a new relationship, into a covenant relationship. We're going to begin at verse 4 of Exodus 19. It says, you yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt, how I carried you on eagles' wings, and how I brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. The Lord begins here in Exodus 19 uh, reminding His people of who He is, of how faithfully He has already loved them, provided for them, and led them up to this moment. 
and he is inviting them into a covenant relationship. And in our terms, the closest we get to that is the covenant of marriage. And so God is essentially asking the people of Israel, will you covenant, will you marry me? That's a question that changes things, doesn't it? Verse 8 records the people's response. The people all responded together, we will do everything the Lord has said. I do, right? So Moses brought their answer back to the Lord. You see, this really was the invitation of the lifetime for the people of God. They were marrying up, if you will. But for the Lord, this would be a relationship full of heartbreak and betrayal. You see, even before they could have the official covenant ceremony, the people betrayed God by bowing down to a golden calf and worshiping it. They literally didn't make it from engagement to wedding day faithfully. Your cheating heart is going to tell on I won't. But you see, their cheating heart told the real truth. They were not a faithful people. And in many ways, in many ways, uh, this is the meta-level story of the Old Testament of God's radical faithfulness and the people's repeated cheating on Him with other gods and other nations. And it's this dysfunctional relationship that God has called the prophet Hosea to embody through a marriage of his own that was bound for heartbreak and failure. You see, by the time we get to the prophet of Hosea, in the time of the history of the children of Israel, the story is at a turning point. This relationship with God is at a turning point. And God wants to show, he wants the people to see just how unfaithful they have been. And it was a powerful witness they would never forget. Let's hear what God calls Hosea to do. What's he going to show them? Hosea chapter 1, verse 2, right out of the gate, (laughs) verse 2, when the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, go, go marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. Your cheating heart is going to tell on you. You see, what began as a covenant relationship between God and His people, a marriage union has become an adulterous affair on the part of Israel. You see, the book of Hosea, uh, it records many of the ways that the people of God have forsaken Him, the way they've uh, forsaken their commitment in relationship to the Lord. And it makes sense that as you read the stories, you understand what's going on, that it seems like God would just walk away, that He would just divorce His people and be done, but He doesn't. He doesn't. You see, the book of Hosea demonstrates for us the radical faithfulness of God. The radical faithfulness of God. He doesn't just forgive this adulterous people. He pursues them. You see, Hosea teaches us that you cannot out the mercy of God. You cannot 
out sin, the mercy of God. There's no such thing today, friends, as too far from God. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? The invitation is to trust the words of Hosea and his invitation to repentance and restoration. We're in week two of our series uh, called The Minor Prophets. Uh, Each week we're we're focusing on one specific uh, minor prophet in the Old Testament. And and these prophets are are not minor like they're the JV team or their fourth string quarterback on Sunday afternoon football or anything like that. Like uh, they're not minor in that sense. They're minor kind of in literary scale. If you would compare them to the major prophets, uh, Ezekiel or uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, uh, the minor prophets are just a little bit shorter in their context, but their message still brings truth. And so as followers of Jesus, we we believe that all of God's Word is worthy of our study and worthy of our our meditation and devouring and and obedience from us in our walk with Jesus. And so these words, though they're minor prophets, are no minor matter. That was bad. Last week, Pastor Adrian began with the story of Jonah, and and Jonah was a prophet, uh, and as the story unfolds, we can tell that he never really got it. Cue the VeggieTales story, right? Uh, Jonah, you see, uh, Jonah was called to preach to the Ninevites, his enemies, but he got really angry when God showed them compassion. When God restored the Ninevites, Jonah was mad. And so the story of Jonah challenges us to see, because God asked him a question, is it right for you to be angry, Jonah? And so that story challenges us. Is it okay with us that God passionately loves our enemies and wants to see them find life in Christ? Is that okay? That's the story of Jonah. Today, uh, we're in the story of Hosea. Uh, He's really, as you would uh, flip through your Old Testament, you're going to come to his work first after the major prophets. Hosea, he was a prophet in the northern kingdom of Israel during the reign of King Jeroboam II uh, in about the 8th century before Christ. If you looked at the landscape of the land, what's happening politically and maybe uh, in the economy, uh, Israel, the people are prospering financially. Uh, They've been victorious in battle. They've been able to expand their borders a little bit. Uh, They were in a time of peace and political stability, but really that's about where the good news stops. You see, all of that seeming prosperity in the land only served to disguise the moral corruption that truly marked the people of God. You see, they didn't anymore think twice about worshiping other gods and bowing to Baal and then coming to worship. They didn't think twice. It was just normal. They thought it normal to engage in the parties and the indulgence of the pagan cults. They were making pacts and political alliances with foreign nations rather than depending on God to provide. You see, basically, what was going on behind the scenes of the seeming prosperity of the nation was that God's people were cheating on Him. God's people were cheating on Him. As the book of Hosea opens, the Lord wants to demonstrate this relationship. And so he calls the prophet Hosea to marry a woman named Gomer, a woman of notorious reputation, a 
promiscuous and adulterous woman. And God calls the prophet to knowingly uh, marry someone he knows won't be faithful. And we know that historically this marriage happened. Hosea was obedient. But this union was an allegory. It was to be a depiction of God's relationship with unfaithful Israel. It was a sign to them that again and again they were being unfaithful. And if you look at the bulk of the text in Hosea, uh, the bulk of it is evidence. It's explaining how they are being unfaithful. It's painting the full picture of their unfaithfulness, of their cheating heart, if you will. You see, uh, the book of Hosea uh, shows us these things, and it's been going on for years and generations, and finally God says, enough, enough. And that leads us to our teaching text today in chapter 11. So I would invite you to turn there, Hosea chapter 11. Uh, You see, the book and the story of Hosea begin uh, using the imagery of an unfaithful wife, but as we enter chapter 11, he takes up the story of a prodigal son. And so the imagery here is different. The imagery is different, but the story is the same. God's radical faithfulness towards an unfaithful people. Chapter 11 really in in micro contains all the themes that show up throughout the story of Hosea. Let's begin at verse 1 of chapter 11. He says, when Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. See, this is back to our story that we began with in Exodus. But they, the more they were called, the more they went away from me. They sacrificed to the foreign gods, the Baals, and they burned incense to images. It was I who taught Ephraim, and that's like nickname for Israel. It was I who taught them to walk, taking them by the arms, but they did not realize it was I who healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love to them. I was like one who lifts a little child to the cheek, and I bent down to feed them. God begins with language reminiscent of a court case. He's stating his case, if you will, and and he begins with the past. He he tells the story of how he has called Israel out of Egypt, how he protected them, how he provided for them, how he was a loving father to this nation. And parents in the room, you know that parenting is a great responsibility, right? I'll never forget the day that we left the hospital with Eliza. Uh, We'd spent a couple days there trying to get some breathing things straightened out. You know, while you're there, they help you, right? I mean, they, they, they help you do all the things, changing, defeating, all that. you got somebody on your team. Well, uh, when you go to leave, uh, they look at your armband. They match it all up to make sure you all belong together. They snip them off and say, good luck. I'm sorry, what? I, no YouTube video, uh, no instruction manual. I remember making it out the front door, and I, I don't even know if I made it to the asphalt before I'm like, we got to keep this person alive. Like, right? That's just for one. But God, He is the Father of a nation. And He says, I have poured out, I've taken that responsibility to to, to care for you, to, to see to your needs, to listen to your cries. It was me. 
You see, the people of Israel were attributing those blessings and those things to the foreign gods and foreign nations, and God's crying out as a heartbroken father coin, it was me. It was me. You see, that's the story of Israel. The more God moved, the more they turned away from him. The more they turned away from him. They worshiped other gods. They attributed the blessing to the wrong places. They gave themselves to other nations. God says, it was me. It was me. You can almost hear the broken-hearted plea of God the Father. And his faithfulness is, does not stop short in warning about what's coming to the nation of Israel. Let's continue in verse 5. He says, will they not return to Egypt and will not Assyria rule over them because they refuse to repent? You see how much the language has shifted there? A sword will flash in their cities. It will devour their false prophets and put an end to their plans. My people are determined to turn from me. Even though they call me God most high, I will by no means exalt them. The story of God's past, of His faithfulness, His care for them is concluded by a word of, about, of what is about to happen. You see that word, that phrase there, a sword will flash in their cities. Within uh, just a few years of this text, just a few years later, the Assyrian Empire, who uh, was a formal political alliance of Israel, you know, they were chumming it up because it worked for both of them. That nation that nation came and destroyed the northern kingdom of Israel. It took people away as captive. It was never the same. This literally happened. God's chosen people received the consequence of their actions. And there's some part of us maybe that says, well, case closed, right? I mean, they finally got what they deserve. I mean, they should have seen it coming, right? Like, that's justice, finally, generations. I mean, who, <laughs> who can blame God up to this point? Generations, hundreds of years, repeat offenses, no real change. They've done so much, gone so far, and they stayed too long. It seems like it's over for this prodigal son of a nation. Have you ever felt that way about your life? Have you ever heard the voice of the enemy saying those things to you? Have you ever felt like a prodigal? Daughter, son, never felt like that. Let's watch this clip.
Hey, Dad. It's Mark. I, uh, I know I'm probably the last person you're expecting to hear from right now. But I'm, uh, I'm home. Now you're home. Flash is standing on your front porch. I, uh, Look, I just want to tell you that I know I haven't been you know, the best son. Look, I guess what I'm trying to say is... I'm, so, I'm sorry for that, Dad. You know what? I don't know what I'm doing, all right? You've been fine without me? You know, I'm sure you continue to be fine without me. I, uh... I won't bother you no more, Dad. In some quiet moments, you ever wrestle with those thoughts, that voice of the enemy that says, ah, you've messed up too much. Maybe you come here week in and week out for worship, but something inside of you says, it's not for you. Maybe you think that God's done with you, that he wouldn't want you back that he can't forgive you. Maybe you've bought into the lie that you're just getting what you deserve. You had it coming. You ever wrestle with that? Friends, if that's you today, I want you to listen closely to the story of Hosea. Because verse 7 is not the end of the story. Where we would want to say, case closed, God says, not so fast. Not so fast. What you need to hear today, friends, is that it doesn't matter how far you've gone. It doesn't matter how, uh, how bad you feel like you've done things. You need to hear this truth. It's not over. It's not over. It's not over for the children of Israel, and it's not over for you. Look at what comes next in this story. After all these people have done, after all they deserve, after we want to say case closed, God says not so fast. He says, how can I give up on you? How can I give up on you, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, Israel? How can I treat you like Adma? How can I treat you like Zebulun? My heart, listen, my heart is changed within me. All my compassion is aroused. Friends, did you catch that? Hosea has 14 chapters of evidence of the Israelites going too far, getting it wrong, messing up in every conceivable way you can imagine. And it's been going on for generations. But the heart of God for his people says, how can I give you up? How can I quit? How can I quit? But they deserved it. But God says, I will have Mercy on my people.
when you read the minor prophets and prophetic literature, you see the judgment of God. And friends, the people of Israel experienced the judgment of God. Assyria did come. They did face the consequences of their action being taken into exile. But they did receive God's mercy. He did not treat them fully as their actions had deserved. And friends, that's the heart cry of the Father. He is a compassionate God whose ultimate desire is not your destruction. His ultimate desire is your redemption in Christ Jesus. You have not gone too far. You have not stayed too long. You have not outsinned the mercy of God. It's the voice of the enemy that says those things to us. Don't listen. You see, this challenging truth, this story of Hosea, it challenges us to see that there is no sin beyond the grace of God. Not then and not now. There is no sin beyond the grace of God. And that challenges us today because we have to answer the truth. Do I believe that or not? And that's the difference of life and death for the prodigal. Do you believe it or not? It's not over. We, we can't read this story, uh, this gut-wrenching story of Hosea, and come away uh, with a lighthearted view of sin. Sin, then, sin, now, is like committing adultery on God. It's cheating on Him, and there is judgment and consequence for sin. But there is an invitation to find forgiveness, friends. To find forgiveness. That God will forgive us of our sin. Because God cannot wink at sin. He does not shrug it off as if it were no big deal. But friends, there is no sin today beyond the grace of God. That means you haven't gone too far. You haven't done something so bad that God can't welcome you home. Will you turn to the Father today? Hey, Dad, it's Mark. I, uh, I know I, I'm probably the last person you're expecting to hear from right now. But I'm, uh, I'm home. Now you're home. I'm actually standing on your front porch. I, uh, Look, I just want to tell you that I know I haven't been you know, the best son. Look, I guess what I'm trying to say is... I'm, so, I'm sorry for that, Dad. You know what? I don't know what I'm doing, all right? You've been fine without me? You know, I'm sure you continue to be fine without me. I, uh... I won't bother you no more, Dad. All right. I'm just sorry. 
Jesus told the story of the prodigal son in the Gospels. He said when, when he, the prodigal son, came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I'll, I'll set out. <laughs> I'm going to do something. I'm going to set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me a hired servant. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long ways off, the father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. Friends, that's the story Jesus told to show the heart of the Father for the one who had been gone, who had been lost. There is no sin beyond the grace of God today, friends. So that means today you might be the biggest cheater, the biggest liar, the the biggest whatever the enemy is trying to tell you right now. But as a prodigal son or a prodigal daughter, do not miss the father's invitation today. Do not miss the story of Hosea that says it's not over. Maybe you're having a come to your senses moment this morning. Don't miss that. Don't miss that. Hosea records. You see, see, God gave them the path back. He says, return Israel to your God. Your sins have been your downfall. Friends, sin is serious. 
continues, he says, take these words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, forgive us all our sins and receive us graciously. Forgive us and receive us. Friends, if you're the prodigal that wants to come home today, that's your path. Forgive me and receive me. And the Father's waiting for you. He says, forgive us, receive us, that we may offer the fruit of our lips. Assyria cannot save us. We will not mount war horses. What's he saying? There's nothing that can offer salvation apart from you, Lord. It's found nowhere else in no other thing. We will never again say our gods to what our hands have made. For in you, the fatherless find compassion. We're turning away in repentance from doing things our way, being our own Lord, to turning and seeking him, the one true father. That's the path home, friends. Will you make that journey today? I would invite you to stand and let's bow our hearts and bow our heads. Maybe you've been here many times. Maybe you're here the first time. But you hear that voice of the enemy saying, no, 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 this ain't for you. This is for that person over there. Friends, that's a lie from Satan today. Don't let him steal the invitation of the Father from you. Don't believe what he says. Believe the word of God. If it's you today and you want to come back, you want to return to the Father, your prayer is forgive me, Lord, and receive me. The world cannot save me. I will not be my own Lord. You will be the Lord of my life. Let that be your heart cry today. I'm going to ask you today, there's no pressure. If that's you, why don't you take some literal steps today? you got to pray. you got to settle this out with the Father in your heart. But why don't you take some literal steps today and just come to the front row here and let's worship together as sons and daughters embraced by the Father. Lord Jesus, thank you today for your grace that is at work right here in this moment. God, we thank you uh, that, Lord, that we thank you that you don't take sin lightly. Because you see, you see it for what it is. It's death. It's killing us. And you don't take that lightly. But God, the beauty of who you are and your word today through Hosea is that there is no sin so far, so great, so long that we can't find our way home. Lord, I pray for that wayward son or daughter today. I pray that you would give them urgency to trod that path home to you. Father, we need forgiveness. We need you to receive us, Lord. We need to look to you as our Lord and as our Savior.
experience your embrace. Come home today, son. Come home today, daughter. The Father's waiting. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at cotnaz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.